That's on page 962 of your Pew Bible. First Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God does abide forever. Amen. You may be seated. There's something that we have to be honest about this morning, right off the bat, if we're going to get anywhere with this sermon and receiving it. There's something that we have to settle in our minds and acknowledge, even if it's something that we we don't really like, and it's this, that we all have an expiration date. We're all dying. Each week when I walk up these stairs... If I'm really paying attention, I feel that it's a little bit harder than the week before. Maybe just a tiny bit. And each week when I open up my Bible and start to read, um, I I notice that my eyes have to strain ever so the more to to read what what the words say. Scientists tell me that the way that my body works is that uh, I have old cells that are dying and new cells that are replacing them. And they tell me that the new cells just aren't as tough as the ones that came before. And I want my old cells back, but I can't have them. And, and this, is, this is how it works. Each of us is wasting away, dying. And just as surely as, as we go and we open the refrigerator and we see that there is stamped on the milk carton a date, maybe it's April 28th, and, and we know, well, that's when, that's when the milk's done. We, we, too, have a shelf life, an expiration date, a day in which we, we will die. Scripture puts it this way. In fact, Scripture is, is painstakingly honest about death. It says we're flesh and blood, and it uses words to describe our our state of, of existence in this life. We are perishable, weak, fading, wasting away. Those are the words that scripture uses. 
Scripture is honest about death, and it's honest about the problem that presents us with. Because how can beings, people that are perishing, dying, decaying, be in the presence of a living and perfect God who is imperishable, unfading, glorious? How can, how can we get there, all of us, body and soul? And Scripture is very honest right here in verse 1. We can't. Perishing, dying things can't be in God's presence. <clears throat> Scripture's honest about this. Are, are we? We like to push this out of our minds, not think about it. But, but this morning, Scripture grabs a hold of us and says, you have to think about it. And then you have to think about something else that's equally honest in the word of God, that death in Christ Jesus has been defeated. That he really rose from the dead on the third day. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not some cool story. It really happened and it really changes everything. At least it should. So I simply want to see from this text, first of all, uh, death's sting. It's miserable and horrific sting. And then I want us to look very carefully in this passage at death's sure defeat. Death's sting and then death's defeat. We know that death has a sting. In fact, any of us, in fact, some of us recently who have lost a loved one, someone dear to us, have, have hopes and dreams shattered by death. We know what it, it's like for death to sting us and, to, and to, to break our hearts and to say, this isn't how things were meant to be. You know, I can think of lots of things with stingers and none of them are friends. Kids, can you think of things that have stingers on them? Hornets, wasps, scorpions, Not friends. And in death, according to our passage, has a stinger on its tail. Death is like a giant scorpion that has uh, made its nest in, in this world. And it's, it's made its home here and it looms over us with its giant scorpion tail and its stinger there for everyone to see. That stinger hurts. Sin is the reason for death's horrible sting. We, we hear that in the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, God didn't make this world to have the sting of death in it. In fact, when he made it, there was no death. But he did say, God said to our first parents, Adam and Eve, he said, if you eat of the forbidden tree in that day that you disobey me and choose to rebel and sin, and, and take, take your life into your own hands, in that day, you will surely die. And as soon as Adam uh, and Eve ate of that fruit that God had said, do not eat of that, everything changed. And we see in, in, the, in the early chapters of Genesis that thorns and thistles infected the, the ground. And, and suddenly there was this um, immediate death, as it were, in their hearts in which they were far and estranged from God and did not know their creator as they should. And then Adam and Eve, their, their cells started to rebel against them and they started to die. 
they started to waste away. What God had created started to be undone in them. And so it is for us because we too are sinners. We too are sinners like our parents. What does it mean? You know, church folks use that word sin a lot and it's certainly in the Bible. But what it means is simply this, sin means that rather than walk according to the ways that God has set before us and and rather than stay on his path, we've said, you know, God, I think I know a better way. I don't like the way that you've put it before me. I want to do it this way. I want to have a relationship with who I want to have a relationship with. I want to take things because I want them. I want people uh, to notice me because I'm great, not because you're great, God. And this, this sin, this, this, uh, this seed of selfishness in us uh, wells up in each of us, and it is the seed of death. Because that rebellion against God can't be in his perfect presence. Sin leads to death. That's exactly what we hear in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5, 12 says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We hear it again in in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. You see, friends, death and its sting is worse than we thought. Yes, it is that, 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 that giant scorpion or Satan, uh, as we call him, who has set up his home in this creation, but it's far worse than that. The sting of death is really this reminder to us that we are not right with God and that the, the hand of his wrath, his punishment rests upon us because we've rebelled against him and, and sought our own way. That's not pleasant at all. And that sting is more than just in this life. For the sting of death goes on and on and on into eternity, as long as we're not right with God. As long as we are still sinners. This isn't some ordinary bee sting that, 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 that stings you and then it fades away once you put some lotion on it. It's not a scorpion sting that a hospital can fix. This is a sting that burns forever. It's the sting of our separation from God and the miserable life that that leads to. The pains of hell, as scripture calls it. We hear sometimes, you know, death is is a friend that you just have to, you know, over the course of your life, get accustomed to. And, and by the time you're, you're ready to die, you greet it as a friend. No, death isn't a friend. Death is an enemy. And it's an ever-present reminder in this world that we are not right with God. Death drags us down into discouragement. Scripture is honest about this too. Part of death's sting in this life is that uh, death discourages us in, in everything we do. And even when we're not aware of it, it's kind of uh, coloring and flavoring the, the life in which we live. Because death taunts us. You sinner, you'll never beat me. Give in, it's useless. Don't you, don't you know that you're guilty before God? Don't you know you're a criminal? Just go ahead and sin more. You're already guilty before him. 
Might as well enjoy crime. How about this? Death says to parents, you'll never save your children from my sting. Why are you, why are you trying so hard? Death says to spouses, you'll never redeem your marriage. Don't you see it's dead and dying? Don't you see that the honeymoon phase is gone? Don't you see that you'll never get back to a place of enjoyment in life? Your marriage is dead. Call it quits and find another spouse. Death says to evangelists, those trying to speak the word of Christ to their neighbors, who do you think you are? Don't you realize you're talking to dead people? Don't you realize that you're talking to people who have the sting of death in them? You can't save them from me. So this too is part of the sting of death. It's into this world, into this, this, um, into this horrific sting that we hear the glorious words of our passage Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. And a mystery is not just, um, you know, uh, something to solve. A mystery in scripture is something that had been hidden, but now is bursting forth in beautiful revelation from God. And suddenly it makes sense. The whole Bible has been preparing us for this mystery. What is it? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. See, Paul is saying that there will come a time in the future in which Jesus will return. And in that moment, there will be some people who have died and their bodies rest in the grave. And there will be others who are living at that time. And at that moment, everyone will be changed. Notice what this changes, this, this resurrection hope. First of all, this change happens immediately. How fast will it take for you to, uh, to be changed? Go ahead and blink once. There it is. That fast, immediately, immediately um, uh, ushered into a new existence. Second, this change is, is bodily. This actually happens to our bodies. That's what the scripture says. Um, this is not a change that is reincarnation or destruction, but it's transformation. Jesus takes our bodies, even if they've decayed into uh, the soil, and he will take those, the, the very cells of that body. And somehow, I don't know how he's going to do it. He is going to raise them again and reconstitute them into the same body that they were, but he's going to do that. And in, in a way that changes everything about them. So that our bodies are completely um, brought into this new mode of existence. Imperishable, unfading, eternal, glorious. In other words, fitted for God's perfect presence. That's how perishable things can enter into God's presence. It's only if the body is resurrected and changed and fitted again for God's perfect presence. And that's, that's the hope. That's the hope that lies ahead of us, friends, in Christ Jesus. Now, how can this be? How can it be that dying and decaying things can, can, come, can be brought to new life? 
Where's death's sting? Well, the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus dealt with that sting for everyone who looks to him by faith. What happened on the cross? What happened on on, on Good Friday? On the cross, Satan, the scorpion, saw an opportunity like none other. And it was an opportunity to sting the Son of God with the everlasting sting of death. And he struck. His, his scorpion tail went into Christ. And in that moment, he, he, he put all the venom of his, uh, all the venom of death into the Lord Jesus on the cross. But it was in that moment that he struck that he realized that he'd fallen for a great trap. Because when he killed Jesus, he lost his stinger. It was no accident that Christ died on the cross. He he said that that was what he had come to do. He had come to lay down his life. And so when Christ died on the cross, what did he do? He took the full punishment for the sins of his people onto himself. The innocent son of God uh, drank, as it were, the, the, the whole cup of the poison of God's wrath that we deserved. And he drained death's stinger of its venom. He took all of it onto himself. And then he rose again from the dead. And when when, when that stone by his power was rolled back, it was like he had ripped a hole into death's stomach. And he'd walked right out of it. So he'd, he'd drained death of its sting because he took upon himself the full penalty of, uh, of sin. And then he ripped a hole in death's stomach saying, you can't hold me any longer. You can't keep me captive. And he walked right out. And because of this, we have great hope. Why? Because if and only if we are united to a savior like that, can we know for sure that the sting of death has been drained for us and the stomach of death cannot hold us? For if we are united to Christ in a death like his, we are certainly united to him in a resurrection like his. Isn't that right? So friends, here's the reality. If you have not looked to Christ by faith, if you have not embraced him as your your savior, trusted him as your Lord, then then you do have great reason to fear death. And its stinger should shake you to the core. But if you know this savior, and if you have trusted in him, then, then you are united to the same one who has victory over sin, victory over death, and stands on top of it and taunts it. Where's your sting, death? Where's your victory? So now we can follow our Savior through death and unto eternal life. Now, through faith in Christ Jesus, we can hope for our loved ones who die in the Lord. Pastor Scruggs, Nashville, Tennessee, 
lost his daughter to that great scorpion and in his attacks. And yet he writes this not, not less than two days after she, she died. She, she fell asleep in the Lord. He said, through tears, we trust that Hallie is in the arms of Jesus who will raise her to life once again. Can you imagine what he's going through? Can you imagine the kind of hope in Christ that he has that allows him to pen those words? That's the hope that you and I can have this morning. You know, Jesus is very realistic about the fact that in the face of death, sadness is still there. Jesus stood before Lazarus' tomb and he wept. He cried because death is hard and it's sad and it's painful. But for those who know the Lord Jesus, death is not final. And it's not despondency and it's not hopelessness. One commentator says this, that death can hiss at us, but it cannot sting us cannot claim us as its victim in Christ Jesus. For though we die on that, on that final day, Christ will raise us to new life, resurrect our, our lowly bodies to be imperishable. And our future is not the, the torments of death sting, but the glories of his heaven. Do you know this savior? Is he yours? Is his resurrection yours? If so, then you know that even now you have hope in the face of death's discouragement. In fact, we struggle with this, but, but we have within, um, within our Savior the very thing that allows us to respond to death's taunts with taunts of our own. Oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? Is that all you've got, death? Verse 58 beautifully sums it up. I love that this is here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labors aren't in vain. Your efforts to share the gospel with dead and dying sinners is not in vain. Because why? Because our Savior is risen and has within himself the power of new life to give to sinners by his spirit. The same life that has been granted you from the dead can be granted to others. We have hope. In our parenting, though we see that uh, the, the death and decay that, that, that grabs at our children, we, we know a Savior and we believe in a Savior who is risen and who loves little ones. And who welcomes children to come to him. And, through, and, and by leading them to him, as they look to him by faith, we have hope that they have a future of life in his presence. 
What about our marriages? Don't tell yourself the lie that your marriages are dead. In Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter how, how, how knotted and difficult the counseling situation is. Jesus has the power of life to redeem and restore broken relationships, including your messed up marriage. And he loves to do it. Don't tell yourself the lie. You're never going to move beyond your patterns of sin. Because what does Jesus say? He says, it gives us that power of new life. If we've been raised with him uh, in newness of life. We have power over sin and death. It does not define us. We are a new creation. You see, friends, what you do right now in your perishing body matters. It matters because Jesus isn't going to start from scratch when he comes again. He's going to take your bodies as they are right now and and, and, and your relationships and in everything that is about you. And he is going to resurrect that and he's going to weave that into the fabric of a new creation. And so right here, right now, put death to sin in your body. Use your bodies not for sin, but for righteousness. Because friends, you do have an expiration date. But beyond that, you have a resurrection date. That's the hope that lies before us. Let's go to our God in prayer. Heavenly Savior, you are risen and reigning, and death does not have the final word. We thank you for this. We thank you that you intervened, that you died the death that we deserve to die, taking all of sin's venom and draining it of its power. Lord, though we have fallen short of the perfect standard of God's law, Though the devil hounds us and pokes and prods us, uh, we know that you are our savior. And when God looks upon us, he sees us through the righteousness of you. We pray, Lord, that we would be united to you in your death and your resurrection. And that you would encourage us forward all the way into the day of glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.